bless God for the opportunity that we have always to be able to pray, to be able to fellowship together, to be able to hear his word um, to us and be able to fellowship in the spirit. Hallelujah. The Bible says wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. This gathering we've gathered tonight is in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's a gathering to honor him. He has preeminence among us. I have said, as I have said to you several times, Jesus is always in the midst of his church. He never departs. And he is here beholding our order. Hallelujah. He's here amen. beholding our order. He's here with us. Amen and amen. Therefore, our hearts should not in any way be troubled. The master is here with us. Our Lord is here with us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. We are not amen. alone. We are not alone. Our God is our great help. So as believers, as we have said and keep saying, and we will keep saying, we should not be moved in any way. We should not be afraid in any way. The Lord Jesus is with us. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Tonight we are going to be studying from the book of Romans, chapter number five. If you do have your Bibles, turn with me there quickly. Romans chapter number five. That's where we are going to pick our study from tonight. And you know, one of the things that the Word of God does is the Word of God informs you about not only the mind and the will of God, but it also informs you what God has done in Christ for you. Why is that knowledge necessary? That knowledge is important for your faith walk. Hallelujah. When you come to that epignosis when we say epignosis is the greek word for exact knowledge when you come to that exact knowledge of what god has done in christ for you it informs your faith life and teaches you how you ought to live your life amen and amen you know um, the bible says uh, paul says concerning the israelites that they've been ignorant you know, of the righteousness of God, went about establishing their own righteousness. They did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. That means they were ignorant of what God had done in Christ for them. So they kept going about, they're trying to establish their own righteousness by the law. Hallelujah. And God rejects that. That is why knowledge is of great premium in the kingdom. Knowledge is the most important thing for you as a believer. The Bible says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of noisemakers today. You understand? Make sure your faith life does not become noisemaking. Make sure you, you have a proper handle and grasp of the knowledge of truth in Christ. It will help your faith. It will establish you. It will cause your heart to be at rest in Jesus. That is why as a pastor, I find that it is a great responsibility upon me to always make sure I am doing what we call expository teaching and preaching. That is explaining scripture to you so that you understand. Because the knowledge of God or Christ and what he has done has been communicated to us how in the scriptures we believe in the inerrancy of the word of God hallelujah we believe in the sufficiency of scripture scripture is our basis for truth the bible says we have a more sure word of prophecy amen what is that the scriptures we believe in the sufficiency of scripture that means we do not look to any other thing for truth. And we judge all things by the standard of truth given to us in the scriptures. So when we speak, we speak scripture according to the scriptures. If you notice, the Bible says uh, uh, concerning the gospel that Christ died according to the scriptures. He rose again according to the scriptures, says Paul. Amen and amen. It matters. It matters. 
And when, when we come on the line, I don't speak to you the philosophies of men. I don't try to find the little thing that, you know, the popular person around is saying and repeat them to you. Hallelujah. Paul says, when I came to you, I came to you not with words or man's wisdom. Hallelujah. We teach scripture by the power of the Holy Ghost, unveiling Christ and his finished work and the glory that has followed from that. And we have to keep teaching it and keep teaching it and keep teaching it so that we can relearn, we can unlearn certain things and relearn the truths of God's word and so be established therein. It is important. Never grow weary of proper biblical teaching. Um, my, my desire is that all of us will be very serious students of the word of God. Amen. Very, very serious students of the word of God. And I'm sure by now you know that. Hallelujah. Anyways, let's get to our scripture. Romans chapter number five, if you so please turn there. And I would read it and we'll be going through systematically and we are going to glean the wisdom of God uh, presented in this chapter for us. I mentioned to you previously, I think last week, that the Bible was not written in chapters and verses. The chapters and verses were put there by the translators not too long ago just to help us navigate the text. So we would be considered, as we are reading Romans chapter 5, you should understand that it is flowing from previous thoughts the apostle had presented in chapter, from chapter 1 through chapter 4, and he's simply con continuing, you know, in chapter 5. So we will be turning back to these previous chapters and so, to help us understand what, what the apostle is trying to communicate to us. Now, let, let's see. Uh, let's, let's start reading here. Verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a statement. Hallelujah. What is? I thought I would actually get an amen after reading that scripture. <laughs> amen. Amen. Listen to the scripture. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is so important. Right there in this very verse, Paul, remember, in the previous chapters, Paul had been showing the distinction between justification by the law and justification by faith. And he showed that no man was justified by the law. But all men were justified before God through faith in Jesus. The Bible says that blessed is the man to whom God does not impute iniquity. Hallelujah. That justification by faith came through Jesus. So our faith in Christ and what he has done for us is what has made us justified before God. What does justification mean? It means I stand before God guiltless. I stand before God innocent. I stand before God righteous with no sense of guilt as if I have never sinned before. That is what justification is. Hallelujah. How were we justified? The Bible says we're justified. He was raised for our justification. That is why when we believe in the resurrection and the resurrected Christ, we are justified by faith. When Christ died, we died with him on the cross. That death was a payment for the penalty of our sin. So Christ died for us, a substitutionary death. But in the mind of justice, that is in the mind of God, we died. You understand? When we believe that death is applied to us. So in the mind of God, we died with Christ on the cross and paid for the penalty of our sin. Now, having paid for the penalty of our sin, we are free to go. If you're in the court of law and uh, somebody pays for their crimes, have done the time that they need to do, they are free to go. But you see, it did not end there. After paying for the penalty of our sin, God ended in Christ the old man. Hallelujah. 
the old man in Christ was dead and buried, never to resurrect again. But on the third day, Jesus rose unto new life. Hallelujah. That is what we call born again. The resurrection of Jesus was not a resurrection of the old man. It was a resurrection unto newness of life. So the Bible says, We that are born again have become new creations in Christ. Hallelujah. What is that new creation? It means that you are a new man in him. One that has not existed before. So at the same bar of justice, the old man who was guilty because of sin and had paid his sin through Christ died. Now a new man is standing there with no history of sins. Hallelujah. With no history of sins. So God, the judge, declares that new man guiltless, faultless. Hallelujah. He declares that new man innocent. Not only that, we have that gift of no sin now as we live the new life. Because the blood of Christ is always cleansing us and washing us. Hallelujah. So, you see, sin no longer plays a role in our relationship with God. Or let me say, sin no longer affects our relationship with God as it did the relationship between God and Adam in the garden. When Adam sinned, the Bible said he fell short of the glory. Hallelujah. A separation came between he and God. Sin brought death. Death is a separation. So Adam's relationship with God became separated. Hallelujah. Jesus, by his death on the cross, dealt with the effect of sin and dealt with the power of sin. What is the power of sin? Death. Hallelujah. So now in Christ Jesus, even when we sin, sin has no power to separate us from God anymore. Now, this is very important. You need to understand this. Does this justify that we should go on sinning? Absolutely no. But sin no longer has the power it had previously because Jesus dealt with it. Hallelujah. So what happens when we sin? We are forgiven. Amen and amen. We have the gift of forgiveness. So the Bible says in John, if any man sins, listen to what follows, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus, the righteous. Why does he add the word the righteous? Because it is he, the righteous, that has made atonement for our sin. Hallelujah. So my relationship with God is not affected in any way. That means I am not separated from God in any way. Rise up and keep walking with your Father. Hallelujah. We are justified in Him. Amen and amen. So the Bible says, Who shall bring a charge against the elect of God? When it is God who justifies. Yes, even Christ who died and is risen again. Hallelujah. Who shall bring a charge against the elect of God? No one. Not even the devil. Hallelujah. He cannot bring a railing accusation against you. Do you know the popular scripture we quote? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every mouth that shall raise words of judgment against me, I condemn. That scripture is not necessarily um, you know, talking about um, the enemy fighting you in terms of you know, uh, attacking you and things like that. What he's talking about is who shall bring a charge against the elect of God? The no weapon there is weapons of accusations. That is why Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ. You understand? So no weapon of accusation. What is the number one enemy of the number one weapon of the enemy? Accusation. The Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. What is he accusing them of? Remember, in, uh, uh, in Zachariah, he was standing by, by the high priest and he was accusing him. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. The number one weapon of the enemy is accusation, condemnation. But in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. 
because of what he has done. Listen, the potency of Christ's work is beyond imagination. It would actually take us eternity to understand the depth and the breadth of that which Christ has done. Hallelujah. And believers would do well to understand that. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. No weapon, and listen, no weapon formed against you. That is weapons of accusation formed against you shall prosper. Why would they not prosper? Because the person to whom you are taking the accusation, that is God, he is the one who is justifying me, the one you are trying to accuse. <laughs> Hallelujah. The one to whom you are taking the accusation is the very one who is justifying me. Is the very one who declares me not guilty. When you bring the accusation, God says, I don't see that. All I see is Christ. Hallelujah. He says concerning the new covenant, remember what we learned? He says, there are sins I will remember no more. So as a believer, you should not be sin conscious. Amen and amen. Again, does that mean you should go about trying to sin? No. Remember, when you got born again, you, when you, the day you got born again, your heart was transformed. Being born again is not, you know, nodding your head to the truth of Christ. No. It is a heart belief in what Christ has done. That heart belief brings a transformation of your heart. So the thing, your heart is no longer locked down in darkness. Your heart is illuminated with the light of Christ. The things you longed and loved to do, that is in sin, you no longer love to do anymore. Hallelujah. You are a changed man. Not by your own power, but by the transformation of the power of Christ. Hallelujah. That is who you are. So the new man is not somebody who is looking for an excuse to continue sinning. No, then it simply means you are not born again. The Bible says the grace of God which brings salvation has appeared unto all men. It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live righteously and soberly and devout lives in Christ Jesus. This is what the grace of God teaches. God's grace is not a license to sin. It is an empowerment to live a devout life in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Shadow wow. by God. Amen. That's the power of God's grace. So, you know, we have many people in our generation who slander the grace of God and they call us hyper grace preachers. And I just love that term, hyper-grace preachers. <laughs> I wonder, what other message is there to preach but grace? Grace is the truth. The Bible says Jesus, full of grace and truth. The translation there, tra the word translated and in that text is actually full of grace, which is, that is the truth. Hallelujah. Grace is the truth. Amen. Somebody say with me, grace is the truth. Grace is the truth. Hallelujah. Say with me again, grace is the truth. Grace is the truth. Hallelujah. There is, no, there is no other truth outside of grace. Because grace, Christ Jesus is the fullness of grace, and he is also the truth. So grace is the truth. Hallelujah. There is no message outside of grace for the believer. The day we understand this, the better for us. There is no message outside of the grace of God. What will you do outside of God's grace? You are being brought into this grace by faith. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. So we, we need to understand that. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. Irene, that means we are set at one with God again. God and I, there are no, there, there, there are no longer heads between God and I. There is no contention, bad blood between God and I. Hallelujah. Peace we go through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means I can go to the Father any day, 
anytime, any moment. So he says, come boldly, hallelujah, to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come how boldly. His blood has made a new and living way for us into the very holy of holies. We were literally born into the presence of God. That's where we abide 24-7. God is your father. He is your friend. Amen and amen. He is not a distant being whom you are trying by trial and error to figure out whether he likes this or he doesn't like that. No, that's not who God is. Hallelujah. We are his sons. He's our father. And because we are his sons, the Bible says he has sent the spirit of his son into us by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That is Father, Father. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. What a blessing. Say with me, I am justified by faith. I am justified by faith. Amen. You understand? Okay, let's look at verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Romans 5, 2. By whom, talking about Christ Jesus, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Oh my goodness. I could just unpack this verse for the rest of the year. Hallelujah. Look at that. We have access by faith into this grace, into this grace, into this grace. The superabundance of the heart of God towards man. That is where the believer is standing right now. That is where you are. All of God's love is directed towards you. All of God's power is directed towards you. All of God's goodwill is directed towards you. Hallelujah. This is called the manifestation of God's grace. You are standing in God's grace. That is why anytime you seek to justify yourself by your own works, the Bible says you've fallen from grace. That is what it means to fall from grace. To fall from grace doesn't mean you've sinned, you've committed adultery, you've committed fornication or something like that. No. To fall from grace is you want to justify yourself by your own works. The Bible says, by the works of the Lord shall no man be justified. When you sin, you are forgiven in Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> you are still there. You are still a son. It doesn't change who you are. Amen. But to fall from grace simply means you are seeking to justify yourself by your own works. Amen. I rather choose to rest in the works of Christ. Does it mean that our works don't matter? They do matter. But our works are a product of our faith in Christ. They are not, we don't work to be justified. We work because we are justified. Hallelujah. We stand in this grace. We stand in this grace. And what else do we do? We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Do you know that you have been appointed unto glory as a believer? You are appointed unto glory. You are appointed unto glory. What does it mean? That you are appointed unto glory means that a day is coming when mortality shall put on immortality. Hallelujah. And this flesh shall be swallowed up. Amen and amen. And we shall be changed, as it were, into the very fullness of God's glory by putting on our resurrected bodies. That is the glory that we are awaiting. So the Bible says, for our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, are working together for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. There is glory awaiting us, brethren. Hallelujah. This is our great hope. And the Bible says, everyone that has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. This is the hope of the believer. When the Bible talks about, you know, glory awaiting you, it's not talking about, you know, you know, uh, you know uh, physical things of this life. No. He's talking about the glory of the resurrection that is to come. Do you know, let me say this here, do you know what the church is awaiting? And sometimes people ask, especially in these times where, you know, we are seeing everybody, uh, there's a lot of chaos going around. People want to know what is next to happen. What is the church waiting for at this moment? I'll tell you what the church is waiting for. The church is waiting for one thing and one thing only, the resurrection of the saints. You may call it a rapture but it's simply the resurrection of the saints. Hallelujah. We are not waiting for 666. We are not waiting for Antichrist. We don't need him for anything. Hallelujah. All we are waiting for 
is the resurrection of the saints. The Bible says that our citizenship is from heaven above. From whence also we await our Savior, who will transform our lowly bodies into the fashion of his likeness. Brethren, this is the truth that the early believers comforted their hearts daily with. They always lived in the comfort of this truth. Hallelujah. And we would do well to learn that. To live in the comfort of this truth. That we are waiting the transformation of our lowly bodies into the fashion of his likeness at the resurrection. Hallelujah. Paul says, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Hallelujah. <laughs> the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. Hallelujah. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Are you awaiting the resurrection of the saints? Are you awaiting the resurrection of the saints? Amen and amen. That's what the church is waiting for now. That's what the church is waiting for now. So don't let your mind be led astray by all these noise going on. Fix your mind on your great hope you have in Christ, which is the glory that is awaiting you. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Now let's continue. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. You see, when you have this understanding in Christ, it makes you rejoice in whatever kind of troubles you face. There is an understanding that the believer must have that would help him endure troubling times, contrary times, uh, tribulations, persecutions, and all manner of kinds of things that challenge his faith. Hallelujah. The Bible says, not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Yes. We don't run away from tribulations. We glory in tribulation. Amen and amen. We glory in it. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. The great hope of, that we have of the glory of God does not make us ashamed. That means that it will not disappoint us. We are not going to be disappointed. Believers are waiting for the resurrection of, of, the, of, of, of the saints, the coming of Christ Jesus uh, in, in glory. And, and it's saying that we will not be disappointed. We are not going to be disappointed because hope maketh not ashamed. This great hope, this living hope we have in Christ, it's not going to make us ashamed. We are, going to, we are not going to be disappointed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given unto us. Hallelujah. That means the love of God is revealed to us by the Spirit who indwells us. Listen, listen, listen. Oh, I love this one. The Spirit is the guarantee of the promise of God to you. And what is that great promise of God? That you'll be resurrected on the last day. Hallelujah. That is the great promise of God to us. And the Holy Spirit is that down payment that guarantees that promise. Hallelujah. It is a demonstration. God is demonstrating the greatness of his love toward us by giving us the Holy Ghost. Who guarantees that this promise is sure to us? What a blessing. Amen and amen. You see why? You see why Paul had this understanding? He says, you know what? Rejoice again, I say rejoice. The, the life of the believer is full of rejoicing. It doesn't matter what is going on. It doesn't matter what is going on. We are always rejoicing. In lack, we rejoice. In plenty, we rejoice. Paul says, I have learned to endure all things, whether I abound. That is, whether I have, I have abundance, I have plenty things, I rejoice. Whether I lack, I rejoice. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When Paul was saying that he wasn't going to write an exam. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's our favorite scripture where we are writing an exam, right? But Paul was talking about how he can endure all things. Hallelujah. Whether he has abundance or he doesn't have any, he can endure every moment in his life because he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Amen and amen. And so Paul rejoiced. In prison, Paul rejoiced. Hallelujah. <laughs> in prison, he rejoiced. Most of the letters of Paul encouraging, strengthening the believers came from prison. He wrote most of the letters from prison. 
he wrote to uh, uh, he he speaks about uh, about 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 Silas and 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 Barnabas as his 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 fellow uh, bondmen in chains because they were in prison. Hallelujah! Yet there was a truth that caused Paul's heart to rejoice. Paul was beaten forty times, save one. He was in many shipwrecks. He he endured many things for the sake of the gospel. Yet he rejoiced. Hallelujah. He says, cast down, not, but not destroyed. Listen, this is, there is a truth about, this is what made the Romans, you know, the Roman Empire at their time wonder at believers. Because every nation they conquered had many gods. They served many gods. And, you know, all these nations, they always fought for their god. They will always fight them physically with swords and things, you know, for their God. But believers were people who never put up a fight. Even when you persecute them, they never fight. Rather, they rejoiced. So it just beat the minds of the Romans. The more they were persecuting the believers, the more, you know, the more they were rejoicing. Like, Oh, It is because there was a truth in their heart they knew. And this truth is what we are learning today, brethren. Hallelujah. We rejoice in tribulation because tribulation worketh patience, patience experience. Hope. Hope make it not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost given to us. Hallelujah. Then look at verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Who did Christ die for? The ungodly. Christ did not die for the righteous. Christ did not die uh, for those who are perfect. Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus said, I have not come to save, save those who are righteous. He says that those who are well do not need a doctor. He was speaking sarcastically to the uh, to the Jewish uh, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees, because they thought themselves to be righteous. Hallelujah! He says, "I have come to seek and save the lost." Christ died for the ungodly. So when you see an ungodly man, when you see somebody living a life of ungodliness, don't hate the person; rather, love on the person and show them the light. Christ show them what Christ has done for them Christ died for the ungodly show them what Christ has done for them don't bash them don't hate them don't criticize them Christ died for the ungodly hallelujah Christ died for who the ungodly amen and amen for scarcely look at verse 7 for scarcely for a righteous man will one die Yet peradventure for a good man, some would dare to die. But God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He tries to drive home the point again. That while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God, while we could not, in the place where we could not help ourselves in any way, Christ died. He is our great help. Amen. That's why the Bible says that for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody could do anything to save themselves. But Christ died for sinners. This is the great demonstration of the love of God. I put up a post, I think last week I said, the cross of Christ it is, is the greatest portrait of the love of God. And he screams one message, for your sake. Can you believe that? For your sake. For our sake, Christ died. When we could not repay him in any way. Listen, God's love that moved him to work in Christ for our salvation is not a love that is responding to an action of ours. We did nothing to merit that love. We did nothing to provoke that love from him. Hallelujah. He loved us in and of himself. Amen and amen. This is a manifestation of God's grace. This is a manifestation of God's grace. And the heart of the believer must know that. 
And not only does he love us, he rejoices over us. The Bible says that the Lord our God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save, he will deliver. And what will he do? He will rejoice over you with singing. God rejoices over us, brethren, with singing. Hallelujah. That is why I always say, God always wants to hear your voice in prayer. Ah, God is saying, is my son praying? Is my son? I want to hear the voice of my son. I want to hear the voice of my daughter. His heart is moved. Hallelujah. That's why he takes pleasure in you doing well. Amen and amen. That is the God we serve. Verse 8, but God commanded his love toward us in the world where yes, sinners Christ died for us. Look at verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Hallelujah. We shall be saved from wrath through him. What is that wrath? The wrath of God that is coming at the end of the world, that is at the last day, at the resurrection. You know, when the saints are resurrected, that is when we face the judgment seat of God. And all those who, are, who have died outside of Christ and those who are alive without Christ will all be judged. And those who did not receive Christ Jesus shall be separated, hallelujah, and shall be sent into what we call the lake of fire. Remember, the lake of fire is not a literal place. Let me repeat that again. The lake of fire is not a literal place. It is a metaphor that describes absence from God. Hallelujah. Absence from God. Amen and amen. The lake of fire is not a literal place. It is a metaphor that describes absence from God. Those of us who believe in Christ will be in his presence forever. Those that don't believe in Christ will be away from him. Hallelujah. In torment forever. What is that torment? It's not fire. Souls, spirits cannot be tormented by fire. You can't burn a spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> that is why the lake of fire is not a literal fire. Amen and amen. It is a metaphor to describe torment. Torment or so. Where is that torment coming from? From knowing that you reject God is the summation of all goodness. So without God, there is no good. Hallelujah. That is the anguish and torment of soul men would experience without Christ on that day. Amen and amen. That is why we preach the gospel. Hallelujah. Now let's go on. He says, uh, for if when we were enemies, Paul is just simply trying to drive home the point. We were reconciled by God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That is why we have eternal life now. Amen and amen. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that was to come? But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man Christ Jesus, had abounded unto many. Hallelujah. What is Paul trying to say? He says that by one man death entered, uh, sin entered into the world, and with that death. Which man is this? It is Adam. Hallelujah. We know that it is through Adam's sin that death entered into the world. And when death entered into the world, death spread upon all men. And the Bible says, for that all have sinned. Because Adam is the federated head of the human race. Amen and amen. So before God, there are only two men. The first Adam and the second Adam. All men before Christ or without Christ are in Adam, the first Adam. When Adam sinned, all experienced death as a result of Adam's sin. Even though we had not sinned after the similitude of Adam, 
but we experience death because Adam's sin brought death into the world. But thanks be unto God that Christ Jesus, the second Adam came to end that first Adamic race and begin a new Adam. Hallelujah. That is the last Adam. So the Bible says that the first Adam is earthy. The last Adam, the second Adam is the Lord from heaven above. Amen and amen. We that are in Christ are in the last Adam. That is the resurrected Christ. We are no longer in the first Adam. We are in the last Adam, the resurrected Christ. We have life, eternal life in us. And we are preaching the gospel so that those who are still in the first Adam, who are still under the power of death, would experience the life of Christ and so come into the last Adam. Amen and amen. Amen. Says, but not as the offense, so also is a free gift. For if through the offense of one, many were dead, whose offense? Through the offense of Adam, many died. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, had abounded unto many. So what Jesus has done is open for all. It abounds unto many. That is why we preach the gospel. It's a free gift of salvation to all men. It is an invitation to all men. Do you realize that at the end of the book of Revelation, there is actually an invitation to men to come and drink of the living water. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. The gates of the kingdom are not closed. The, the Bible says in the book of Ezekiel, uh, either, yeah, Ezekiel about, about the kingdom of God and the, the new Jerusalem, the gates shall never be closed. Hallelujah. Why? Because as we are preaching the gospel, the whoremongers and the, and the liars and the deceivers who are outside are believing the gospel and coming in. Amen and amen. They are believing amen. and coming in. If they stay not in their sin and believe the gospel, they come into the kingdom. The kingdom door is wide open. That is why we preach the gospel. Hallelujah. Decide today, which I know you've already decided, but decide that you're going to continue to be part of the preaching of the gospel. You're going to support the preaching of the gospel, and you yourself are going to preach the gospel too because it is our assignment. Amen and amen. Men need to come into the kingdom of Christ. Hallelujah. Now let's continue. It says, and not as it was by that by one that sin, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. What is that free gift? The free gift of salvation is by many offenses unto justification. As we receive salvation in Christ, we are justified. Hallelujah. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace. Oh, Jesus. They which receive abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Have you received abundance of grace, brethren? Hallelujah. They would receive abundance of grace. That is all that God has done in Christ. That is what is called abundance of grace. And the free gift of the free gift of life, of righteousness, the free gift of righteousness. We did not have to pay for it by our works in any way. It's a free gift of righteousness. That I am declared righteous before God. The Bible says those who receive such, that is the believer. When the believer is saved, he receives abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. The Bible says we shall reign in life. How? By one Jesus Christ. The believer is ruling and reigning with Christ now. Do you know that Jesus is seated on the throne? He is reigning now. And you and I are seated with him in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and dominion and darkness and rulers. Hallelujah. He must reign until all his enemies are crushed under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Hallelujah. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your power? The sting of death is sin. Hallelujah. And the strength of the sin is the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. Listen, Red Church, we are ruling and reigning with Christ now. It is a spiritual kingdom. You know, I know there's been a lot of teaching that has gone around that is making people expect a physical kingdom here on the earth. You hear some people say Jesus will come and rule from Jerusalem. And so they are busy trying to build 
a third temple in Jerusalem. And sometimes you didn't hear some say, you know, if you support Israel and all those things, God will bless you. So people are supporting Israel to build another temple. Well, that is really not according to scripture. And to be frank, that is very antichrist. What is antichrist? Anybody that does not believe that Jesus has come in the flesh. The Jews now who don't believe in Christ Jesus are still expecting a Messiah. What could be an antichrist message than that? How could you be expecting another Messiah when Jesus had come? They don't believe in Jesus. The Bible says in 1 John that anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus or does not believe that Jesus has come in the flesh is antichrist. So to be there supporting the Jews to build another temple, to do what? For them to return to animal sacrifices? Why would God return to animal sacrifices? He destroyed that temple in AD 70 with a Roman army. God hates animal sacrifices. Jesus died once and for all in due time for all men. The only sacrifice God accepts is the sacrifice of Christ. Not a return to animal sacrifices. Hallelujah. So don't be sending your support for Israel to build another temple. If you have been doing that, you need to stop. Amen and amen. That is an antichrist agenda. Hallelujah. What is antichrist? Anybody that does not believe that Jesus is coming in the flesh and does not believe in Jesus. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. He's done his work. Hallelujah. And he's coming back again for his church. Amen. We are not awaiting another Jesus who is now about to die. No, the Jews missed it. The Bible says that he came to his own and his own received him not. Mm -hmm. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. You understand? We are ruling and reigning with Christ now. We are in a spiritual kingdom. It's not a physical kingdom that will be here on the earth as in, you know, a political kingdom here on the earth like people try to say. It is a spiritual kingdom. For one, Jesus said, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. Like people say, oh, look, there it is. Or, hey, there is it. No. He says, but the kingdom is in you. The kingdom is in you. That's what Jesus said. When they brought him before Pilate and the, uh, when they brought him before Pilate and the Jewish leaders, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. What does it mean? It means that it is not like the kingdoms of this world that are raised by men and they are physical. It is a spiritual kingdom that lives in the hearts of men. Brethren, we are in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Except a man be born again, born of water and of the spirit, he cannot see or enter the kingdom. The day you got born again, you enter the kingdom. The Bible says that he has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You are in the kingdom now. Amen. You are in the kingdom. And the Bible says of the increase of his government, oh boy, there shall be no end. The kingdom is going to keep increasing. The influence of Christ is going to keep increasing in the nations. There will be no end. Hallelujah. Until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. How do we spread the kingdom? Through the preaching of the gospel. The kingdom spreads through the preaching of the gospel. That's what the Bible says that since the day of John the Baptist, the kingdom suffered violence and violent men take it by force. What does it mean? Does it mean that we take things by force? No, 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 no. Read it in context very well and understand the, trans, the, the, Hebrew, the Greek words that are used in that translation. What is saying that the kingdom of God has been advancing and everybody is trying to, the kingdom of God has been advancing and men are forcing their way into it. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. And also other violent men are trying to hinder it. There are people who hinder the gospel of Christ. There are people who hinder the gospel of Christ. But how do we spread the kingdom? Through preaching. That is why you have to be faithful to the preaching of the gospel. You see why it is very important. Faithful to the preaching of the gospel. Faithful to the support of the preaching of the gospel. Don't be supporting preachers and, 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 and people who are seeking to make a merchandise of your faith. Who will be telling you bring $500 for a next day miracle, 24-hour miracle. And all those people are just making a merchandise of your faith. Bring $250 so that COVID-19 will not come to your house. Raise an altar so that COVID-19 will come. And how do we raise that altar? By sowing a seed of $1,000. That's a lie. The person is a thief. 
run away from such a person. Hallelujah. What did I say? That person is a thief. Say with me, the person is a thief. The person is a thief. The person is a thief. Some of you are not saying it. Maybe you've already given your money to somebody like that. As you say, the person is a thief. Person is a In my local language, you say Juloe Julo Amole. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen and amen. Don't let people make merchandise of your faith. Jesus said, Freely you have received, freely gave. How many of you ever saw Jesus prophesy? And Jesus said, You know what? You must seal this prophecy with a seed. How many of you ever saw Jesus say that? Or even the apostles? Or Jesus healed somebody and said, you know, you must seal this healing with a seed. How many of you ever saw that? Well, that's for another day. I don't want to get on that train today. Don't let men make a merchandise of you. Amen and amen. Abide in the truth of Christ. Let's finish this up. We have only two verses to go. Amen and amen. Look at this. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall all shall many be made righteous. Hallelujah. We have been made righteous not by our obedience, but by the obedience of Christ. Let me read the verse again. For as by one man's disobedience, that's talking about Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. By the obedience of Christ, we have been made righteous. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. I stand Amen. in the obedience of Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm. Then look at this. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Listen, sin is no more powerful than God's grace. God's grace is more powerful than sin. And as a matter of fact, God's grace is stronger than sin. God's grace is the solution to sin. God's grace is not the license for sin. God's grace is the solution to sin. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Where sin abounds, grace much more. Ha -ha. Grace much more, much more abounds. on That as sin had reigned unto death, even so my grace reigned through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. Grace reigns unto eternal life through righteousness by Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Grace has made you righteous. Grace has given you eternal life. Hallelujah. The Bible says that, that all things may be to the praise of the glory of His grace. The superabundance of God's heart towards man. That is what we call grace. The grace of God. Brethren, lift up your voice even this hour and begin to thank God for His grace. Begin to rejoice in the grace of Christ Jesus. Lift up your voice. I want to hear you. Lift up your voice and begin to rejoice in it. Say, Father, I thank you for your grace. I rejoice in your, in your grace. Thank you. I am grateful for your grace. Oh, shut up. Thank you. Give up.